Howdy, gang. Welcome to Back Country and Barbells. Joe Shamanic here. Um, different type of episode today. Just want to let you know up front, uh, Jeremy Day will not be on the cast, and that's because he is in the midst of elk camp um, while I record this. Um, I actually was out at camp. Uh, I was there when um, Jeremy put down a nice 4 by 4 but then I had to come on home and uh, manage a couple things, and then I'm, I'm going to be heading out uh, back out on uh, Thursday, which should be awesome to then finish through the weekend. So wish us luck on notching tags. Uh, Jeremy's got one tag filled, and we also put a deer, a nice buck down in camp. So congratulations to Tim out in camp. There's five of us there. Um, so far, so good. It's excellent, um, except for the Washington weather. Um, anyone hunting the beginning of early archery season out here west, um, you've been getting rained on. But, you know, I've heard on a couple casts, that they don't hunt the Roosevelt's in the rain. It's just not worth doing. Um, and, and to be honest, it, it is hard to do. Um, they weren't talking um, at this point early in the rut here. There's not a lot of noise out in the woods. Um, but um, on Jeremy's... Um, on Jeremy's four by four, we put together a nice, uh, a nice push where we put, um, put two guys at the bottom of a ridge, um, excuse me. And then, uh, nope, two, excuse me, three guys at the top of a ridge and then, uh, two guys down there at the bottom cruising. And we put it together a really nice push figuring they were in there. Um, we found the right herd and Jeremy, um, Jeremy plugged the right, the right bull. So, um, it was a fired up hunt so far. Uh, again, wish us luck on, uh, the rest of the four guys in camp filling tags. Um, it's proving to be, uh, pretty crowded. It's proving to be pretty tough hunting, but uh, we're seeing animals, and we're seeing critters, um, we're seeing a bunch of loggers, and we're seeing a bunch of hunters. But uh, it's good times out there. Um, again, anyone um, listening to this podcast in the midst of uh, early archery season, hopefully um, in Western Washington, I wish you guys luck. Uh, the more tags filled, which means uh, more hunters, and um, the happier we can all be to make that harvest, the better. Uh, what I wanted to do in the midst of this break um, where, you know, I can't go out in the woods, I want to share two things. Uh, with Jeremy's bull was really awesome. One of the major reasons that I get into this hunting game is is the meat. It's a big deal for me. Uh, uh, when I was going to the CrossFit Games and, and eating the paleo diet and all that stuff, it became very apparent to me that I think many nutritional, many nutritional many nutritional chapters or many nutritional aspects or however you're going to take nutrition. I think there's a lot more in common with many of these good practices than differences. And people want to focus on the differences a lot um, between keto and paleo or going low carb or carbs or Western diet. But I think the basis of it needs to be eating real food, quality food, and you're not going to find better protein sources than wild game and wild caught fish. Bottom line, um, you just can't do it. You're not going to do it. Um, and with that in mind, uh, Jeremy's harvest was really cool um, because when you get that game down, it's yours. You put your hands on it. You're the only one who touches it. You know where it came from. You're not going to find any fresher meat. And I also think when you get the whole animal, you get to experience different cuts and different preparations. And with that in mind, I wanted to share one that I did with Jeremy's bull. Um, as he pulled that bull out, um, I went right after the guts, right after the uh, the old heart and liver. Um, and the heart is an unbelievable source of lean meat, lean, delicious meat. And um, I just want to walk you through um, anybody out there who hasn't, uh, whether it's a deer or uh, 
a turkey or an elk, you can harvest that heart and you can get um, some great meat out of it. So if you want to follow along with this, you can actually go to my Instagram page, which is underscore Joe dot, excuse me, underscore coach dot Joe. And you can actually see pictures of um, walking you through this actually recipe and how I clean the heart um, and how I ended up preparing it, where you'll also see in the pictures, um, ended up making taco meat out of it, which was cool, uh, kind of fajita style, um, uh, strips of, uh, of grilled, uh, steak pieces, which was really cool, and, uh, my kids gobbled it up, as you'll see, and then even put together a nice taco salad for me and the wifey, so great lean source of meat, so I just wanted to walk you through that, and then also, we'll also walk you through how I, why I'm here now and not in camp and why that's important. So I could get four more days after recording this when I go out, um, at the, on that Thursday, uh, leading into Friday, Saturday and Sunday. But, um, so, so here goes on that. So again, uh, heart, um, I think heart is a great entryway into eating different cuts of meat. Once you get over the fact that it's a heart and you start to clean it and you start to break it down, you find out it's just a delicious, um, lean cut of meat. Um, so what I end ultimately end up doing the way I clean it, and I'm sure there's many ways to go about it, but if you go to that Instagram page, underscore coach Joe, you'll see that again, the top of it, it, it's valvey. So I end up just lopping the top off of that valve. And from there you cut, you'll kind of cut away all the white stuff. Um, the fatty kind of arteries so you kind of just trim that away and then ultimately you end up kind of really kind of if you think of the way you might trim silver skin off of a backstrap or silver skin off of a tenderloin then you want to attack kind of trimming the outside of the heart it's kind of a toughy toughy skin skin um, and if you can imagine the heart does a lot of work so that muscle on the outside is going to be uh, very tough so I kind of I kind of skin all that away and then once you skin that away and flip it back over, that kind of you kind of have this this apple shaped thing with without the top. And then from there, I'll kind of cut down the middle, and you you make a flat piece out. Uh, you'll you'll just cut it down, kind of just the same way like if you could imagine cutting an apple in half, and you end up getting this long piece of fillet that kind of in my mind resembles what a a flank steak looks like, and from there, you can take a moment and kind of trim away some of the inside of the heart if you want to make it more appetizing. And you'll see the one picture um, where you get at the end of this. And um, on that picture, it's a cutting board and my knife. And you'll see that kind of filleted out lean piece that kind of looks like it's just a super lean flank steak. And at the top, you'll see all that kind of arterial matter and hard stuff that you definitely want to trim away. I mean, once you have that nice piece of, uh, just, and I'm telling you the, it's just gorgeous, gorgeous, lean meat. Uh, you see the next photo, it's just trimmed out really thin. So I'll kind of trim it as thin as I can into really nice. If you could, again, think of like maybe, um, I'm from Philadelphia, so Philly style, um, cheesesteak meat. Um, you could also, and you'll see the other picture. It could be trimmed out uh, a little thicker, maybe something you might see it like a um, man, um, kind of that. Uh, you know, one of my one of my traditions when I take a look, I love 
one of my junk food traditions is uh, Chinese food. So you'll you could trim it also in the style of that um, you know your broccoli and steak dish that you'll get there. So in those sort of cuts, but it's unbelievable once you get it done. And you'll see on the scale here. With that Elkhart, we got 28, we got over 28 ounces of lean, organic, delicious meat off the heart. So if you are not eating the heart, not only are you missing out on this unbelievable protein source, not only, in my mind, are you not eating the whole animal, but you're missing out just on meat. I mean, even if you don't want to do it this way and put the work in, throw it in the game bag, tell your butcher you want it, and just tell them to throw it in a grind pile. I mean, it's, again, 28 ounces. Um, That's almost, you know, that's... Come on, gang. That's a lot of meat. 28 ounces is 28 ounces. So so get after it. Uh, clean it there. So you'll see, again, follow the Instagram page. Go check it out. You'll see what these look like. And then from there, I go into a basic marinade. You know, I think sometimes you get into... I told my buddies about this dish because um, as I was doing it, and they're like, whoa, I didn't know you could do that. And I'm like, well, it's meat. You know, you, there's not really... There's not really um, a recipe for Elkhart. There's a meat recipe. And you can apply all these recipes, and you try things out. And the reason I did this preparation is because um, in the past when I've eaten elk, I know that because it's so lean, it's not going to be a meat that you're going to – it's going to do well for like a long, slow braise, um, but just a real fast like flash grill. So what I ended up doing, um, again, just to get some moisture and fat into the meat, um, I marinated it in olive oil, uh, red pepper flakes, and garlic. And then my favorite kind of taco preparation in that sense is um, I go citrus. So you'll see in the picture um, lime, lemon, and an orange there. Um, Juice those, uh, blended it all together, and then um, whisked it together, excuse me, as you'll see in the pictures. Um, Would you kind of go through that whisking if you guys... um, you don't want to just dump a bunch of oil in there, so it's a slow drizzle with the whisk and um, kind of uh, emulsify it, bring it all together, which is really nice. You can see I'm doing this in my kitchen, um, which is fun. And then into the bag, into the fridge uh, for a few hours is what I did. And then from there, the preparation's really easy. Um, I think the big thing to mess up um, with something like this, I think most folks might mess up a marinade because, you know, marinade's going to bring a lot of moisture into the meat, and then if you throw that into a grill... Um, too crowded, you end up boiling the meat over, not really getting a great browning on it. Um, so what I end up doing before I just throw it into the grill, I'll actually take it out of the marinade bag and I'll drain it. And then I throw it on a cutting board and then I kind of pat it dry. You'll see in the next picture, um, after I lay it out, I put a towel over it and kind of really gently, um, kind of work some of that moisture out of the meat the flavor is going to remain don't worry um and then i kind of salt and pepper again and and the big key there is as the meat's drying um you'll see i just trimmed up some bell pepper salt pepper um olive oil into the cast iron skillet and and grilled those off and i think that that does a really cool job of just seasoning the pan and you can get more layers of flavor um into the meat uh, which I think are excellent. And from there, I mean, you can do any any vegetable medley. Let's say you didn't want to do taco. You could do a different marinade. Maybe maybe you want to do some Asian-inspired marinade with this or any marinade. I know a pretty classic one that I used to roll with was just like balsamic vinegar and Worcestershire sauce. Maybe it's just Worcestershire sauce. I'm not sure. Worcestershire. Um, any marinade like that. But again, dry it. Um, then, again, you could do any vegetable preparation. You could have fried bro- broccoli and onions, Um anything any kind of hearty vegetable that stands up to grilling throw it in that cast iron skillet beforehand salt pepper 
Then you remove it, and your cast iron skillet should be seasoned. Uh, the meat's nice and browned, and then from there you drop it in the um, you drop it in a cast iron skillet. And as you'll notice, uh, didn't throw all the meat in there. You're gonna have to do this in batches unless you have a giant flat top or a giant um, cast iron skillet. Um, but you you definitely want to give the meat room uh, to do its thing. Um, it wants its own stuff. You don't want this meat sitting on top of each other, releasing liquid, and then all of a sudden you just you're boiling your meat, and that's not appetizing um, for anybody. You don't get that nice you don't get that nice browning effect. Um, so again, don't overcrowd your pan. So I did it in batches, and as I was doing it in batches, I put the meat back into a uh, a container and poured out the excess juice back in. Again, each time you each time you go into a browning, you want to Make sure the pan is clean. You want to make sure it's very hot. And you want to make sure as that meat touches, you just get a real strong sizzle. Uh, let it sit. With this elk heart cut the way I did it, I really only went about uh, two minutes. About a quick two-minute hot fry. Bam, bam, bam. In and out. Stir it around. Bam, bam, bam. Another two minutes. Remove it. So a total of four minutes cooked. Um, either side. Moving it around. Um, and it cooked off. Excellent. And uh, then from there, you'll see uh, my three kiddos smiling and enjoying it. Um, they did not have it. They have kind of a, uh, the fancy term would be a deconstructed salad. Um, then you can see there's my wife. Uh, I put together a taco for her. She actually didn't want the taco. I ended up eating the taco, which she ended up eating was on the next picture where I put that together with a nice um, taco salad. But as you can see, it looks like just a steak salad. Um you know, I treat meat like meat, and um, it was really cool to include my wife and kids on this dish, um, get them excited about eating um, wild game, trying different cuts. It makes it fun. It includes them, and, and to be honest, it's, that's one of the ways that I get time in the woods. You know, I'm not a guy who picked up hunting before I had the wife, so the precedent was never set, so um, finding the time to get into the woods is, is always a challenge. And especially with something like elk camp, I mean, elk are hard to find. You got to put boots on the ground. And unless you have um, a guide who does that work for you, if you're DIY in it and, and you don't really know the land, which I don't, um, you know, Jeremy and the gang have been out here a little bit. So we have some ideas, but, but, um, you know, we're, we're part-time hunters, you know, we're doing this, um, we're doing this on the side, which I think is a, a lot of, like like many of you doing it, and me in particular, it's always a challenge to find the time to get out there. So I think anyone sitting there, as we kind of segue into the second topic, which is something that I think is important, if, if you're getting into this late and you haven't set that precedent where you're going to go off for, you know, three or four days at a time or even longer, a lot of the guys who got to stay out to camp, three gentlemen in particular, Jeremy, Tim, and um, Dave, they pulled the whole uh, 10 days out there. So they went out on Friday opener and they're going to be staying through the weekend where I'll come back Sunday. Me, uh, I put two days in, uh, Sunday, Monday, came home late Monday night. And I sit here now recording this on, um, Tuesday and then I'll go back out Wednesday night and then I'll be out in the woods until, uh, Sunday. Uh, pending weather, uh, when Sunday looks to be interesting. So, um, we're having discussions about that, but, um, the point there is um, not having the precedent, um, including the family in this with things like me and letting them see how excited you are to prepare something, I think goes a, a far way um, into getting you more time in the woods. But I think me getting the extra time also came down to um, this summer, 
Um, I took a trail race really seriously that I've talked to many times on the podcast. And this, the catalyst for that was my wife. And I thought, huh, you know, if I give a little bit and, and do some things that she wants to do with her, uh, she'll let me do other stuff. Or if I invite her, maybe she'll want to come. Um, the other thing that ended up happening this summer was uh, my wife took about uh, two or three business trips where um, she went down to San Antonio to watch some students graduate. She did some talks and, you know, just holding down the fort while she's doing that. And, 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 and kind of giving her leeway, uh, throughout the other schedule to plan other things. And, you know, um, if I'm going to be out and about doing these things, it's just a matter of supporting her and supporting the family and doing the best you can while you're here and being super flexible. So, um, even now, you know, the hope is to fill the elk, elk tag in the next four days. But if we don't, then we look, we look forward to, um, to late season and with late season that's right around the holidays uh, in in Washington it's it's pretty much Thanksgiving through December 15th but in that season there's going to be give and take and compromise and sorting that out and I've really found that including the kiddos including the wife um, like for example again we talked about it Uh, again another example of including the family to get them into hunting was bringing the boy on the scouting trip and as my wife sees him talk about camping and hunting you know she's more supportive of it so include them support your family and, and do your best to support your wife I think it's okay to be selfish yourself with your hunting time but I think the biggest and hardest part at times can be getting your spouse to be selfish with her time. And I think as I was able to support my wife this summer to do more business stuff and uh, take part in more runs. Uh, For example, she also went out to Vancouver and did a half marathon. We made that a big family event. Um, I was running around with an eye patch um, with a bit of a thumb from jujitsu, but um, found a way to support her in that. And um, so I guess the tip here, if you're a guy who's married with kids finding hunting late in life, um, rather than focus on how you can buy more time in the woods and convince your wife to let you in the woods, I think the big tip is convince her to be selfish with her time. And, you know, for for great mothers out there, that's going to be a hard thing to do. Um, this was a conversation with one of our camp guys about it, you know, and, and it really is a difficult thing to do. Um, more so than you'd think, you know, where if my wife says, Hey, you got a weekend to do something, I'm going to go do something. You know, I'm going to be out and about. I'll, I'll grab my bow and spend six hours at the archery range. I'll go, I'll find something to do. Um, but a lot of times, uh, I found that, um, my wife in particular, and maybe your guys' wives are like mine. They're just, they're not willing to be that selfish to spend days away from, from the family. And, and, that took a lot uh, to convince my wife to do that. And honestly, where I think I broke ground there was doing things she wanted to do with her first. Um, in my training, I'm not a runner. Um, but what we ended up doing at our home was we took, she runs. So I ran with her last year's trail race. Then we got a treadmill. We started doing the same workout. Then we're training in the garage together. Then we're on this trail race team together. And then, hey, this other person was on our team. She starts running with this girl. One thing leads to another. She joins a running club. Can I enter this race? Sure. And then all of a sudden, as she started entering races and doing certain things, she was like, hey, I have this opportunity at work to go speak at this conference. Do you mind if I go? And I'm like, yes, 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 please. So um, I think through encouraging 
your spouse or, or the person that you need to barter time with to find time in the woods. I think if you can just support them to get them to be selfish about their superpower, they'll ultimately say yes to you when it comes down to asking about um, something you appreciate doing. So um, food for thought. I know we all want more time to do more things. It seems like this day and age where um, information is abundant, uh, technology seems to make our life more convenient. We're just searching for more time to do, which is, it's unbelievable, um, and, and things to do, so I don't know if that means we're wasting it when we have it, um, not sure what's going on there in that regard, but in this effort, what we need to end up doing is just, um, convincing our spouses, convincing our friends to be more selfish, and taking advantage of really great moments when you can, and just paying attention to those opportunities when they're there, you know, maybe your wife's out there, She's saying, man, I'd really like to do that. Um, if she's not willing to be selfish enough um, to ask you to do it, just pay attention to what they're saying and, and maybe surprise them surprise them with a ch- tr- uh, trip, support them on that. But um, whatever you can do, bookending camp um, to support them, I think you'll get more time in the woods. So uh, that's from a guy who's uh, five years into the hunting game. Um, I would say two. this is my second elk camp. Um, it's my second year being really serious and trying to get extended trips in. And I think this year, um, was actually super positive and even coming in, in the middle here was cool because, um, you know, my wife is teaching a, a physical therapy course and she te- does a Wednesday lecture. So I had to come in for that. So rather than stressing her out and coming in Wednesday, I came in. Tuesday, the day before, so she wouldn't stress that. Um, again, anything you can do to limit their stress. Um, I tried to tried to have my laundry done. Uh, I tried to prepare some meals for them. Tried to share some stories with them, and then any chance I could get to communicate with them while I'm out in the woods, I'm, I'm trying to do so. Um, that that's my food for thought for gaining time in the woods. Um, cherish those around you. Try to convince them to be shelf selfish, and just include them. Um, and you can include them with the cool the cool meat you're harvesting, uh, the cool stories, share them pictures. I mean, um, even just not getting pictures of elk, just when I'm home on this break, I was sharing pictures of the mountains, um, little critters, little lizards, um, little noises I'm hearing in the woods, and the, the kids get a kick out of it, and I think yours will too. So um, this is a short one, guys. This is me just kind of talking at you um, as we're in this kind of mid-camp break, hopefully in our next recording. Um, there's great stories of tags filled and um, nicknames earned and um, mountains climbed and, um, um, you know, an effort uh, worthwhile. So um, fire it up, guys. I'm uh, I'm Joe Shamanic, and this is uh, Backcountry and Barbells, uh, you know, hoping that you will train, hunt, and live the best life possible. And if, if we're doing that, please, uh, I'll ask you one small favor. Uh, the few subscribers we have, I think... There's a couple of you out there. It would be really awesome if you found value in this show. However you're listening, go to your uh, go to your mobile device um, on your iTunes thing, on your computer, however you're downloading the show, and just review it. Tell your friends about it. Um, it would be really helpful, and you could uh, also tap that fifth star, and um, it would be a big thank you to us. Um, and if you have specific questions, uh, again, I shared the Instagram handle, underscore coach dot Joe. Check that out. Um, I'd love to know what you think about this heart recipe. Um, Hopefully you guys out there harvest a heart and can try it yourself. Again, this is Backcountry and Barbells. I'm Joe Shamanik, and we really just want you guys to train, hunt, and live the best life possible. Thank you very much.